Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome one, welcome all. We haven't done this in two and a half weeks. It's been a while. Yeah. So we did that E3 one that no one listened to. Welcome to the Completely Necessary Podcast for uh, the pre-4th of July version on Tuesday, July 3rd, 2018. Happy birthday, America. Alongside Ian Ferguson, I'm Pat Contry. We got a lot of fun stuff going on as we power towards the fifth anniversary. And I mean power towards, not not crawl. No, we're, we're, we're running. We're running. That sounded convincing. NES Classic Edition has returned. <laughs> the Flip Switch Grip Kickstarter. The Atar- Switch Flip Grip. Flip Switch Grip? The Flip Grip. Flip. Okay. It's the Flip Grip. It's, it sounds like a Tony Hawk move. Uh, Labo Cardboard Switch. Speaking of that, Atari Box taken down. Not, like Two other Kickstarters. This is a Kickstarter. Oh, plenty. Plus your Patreon uh, Q&A question and random Q&A. Ian, did you enjoy too many games? I did. It was fun. It was a good time. You I, met Rocco the Wonder Dog? I did. Rocco is, uh, boy, is that a good dog. He's, he, I, he's the best dog, though. I yeah. don't like to use that. It's overused. He's the best dog. No, he really is. Um, a he, real, real calming presence. He's a service dog, a uh, friend of my friend, uh, Antoinette, who's my, uh, I call her my convention wife, because we always hang out together. We eat sushi together. Con mom. And we yell at each other like, like, a, like the honeymooners. So it's very, very endearing, you know. But um, she was selling her artwork there, so we were hanging out. Um, and, you know, Too Many Games is uh, the, one of the biggest ones on the East Coast. It's my fourth one already? Jesus. My third, yeah. So, yeah, so I missed I missed the street fair three years in a row because of that. Like, I want to buy my it, Urban Octopus shirt. It's, always, it's uh, always the that. weekend of the street fair. <laughs> I miss hanging out with my Urban Octopus buddies. Anyway, you see a lot of shirts. I wear half the shirts you see me see are Urban Octopus shirts. Anyway. Um, so it was a great time. I actually managed to sell. I passed along the the forbidden, cursed uh, Buster Douglas Master System game and box from you Chris Kohler. You did get rid of it. I did. I, I traded it for cash and for and for and, some games. Okay, yeah, I saw you working so Chris, that deal. Chris got rid of it, buddy. It only took me like three and a half years to do that, but I got <laughs> rid of it. So uh, that that cursed monkey fucking paw goes to someone else. Is now. someone ever going to complete it? I almost did twice. I mean, I've seen him come up on on buy it now. It's like seventy dollars, eighty dollars for the manual, and the time I get the alert, it's it's gone. So, good best of luck uh, to the person that bought it. No, they're an honest person. I think they're they're doing the um. I think this they're doing a, I think a Staten Island gaming convention. Um, I believe, oh, or Staten Island gaming. That's what it is. So anyway, so it was great. But I also picked up this Ian. Ah, uh, yes. I, I had a feeling you were getting that, yeah. You know, every one of these conventions when I, I make a decent amount of money selling uh, wristbands and shirts and a certain any skybook, I, I managed to throw a chunk of it back. Like, if I didn't purchase this item in my hand now, I would have probably only spent about, I don't know, 
fifty dollars, forty dollars on stuff. But no, I got to buy like a laptop. No, you bought uh, that. You bought that. Uh, well, that was that only, Super Cobra. That was sixty though. Oh, okay. So I bought the Super Cobra. I bought the Super Cobra for. Ah. Uh, I also got a Jeffrey the Draft that's fell on me, courtesy of uh, Lisa, our friend Lisa. Good old Jeffrey. But um, I bought a Super Cobra, which I've been looking for for a while. It's a very uncommon tabletop. So that was a good deal. Oh, and you did get the Super Bomberman multi-tap as well. Well, Ian, that was a throw-in with this. I managed to talk to our pal Carlson. So I got this. Carlson. Carlson's the best. I got the PC Engine. LT, the handheld with the little LCD screen. Boop. With the really, gi- Jesus Christ, gigantic antenna. What's what's interesting about this, I, I've never seen one in person before that. Oh, really? Carlson said he hasn't had one for sale in seven years. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't see these for sale. I don't know how many of these they made. The serial number, I'm oh, sorry, you know, it's hitting you in the eye. The serial number back says 2,491. That's probably like, yeah, they probably made like, I don't know, 5,000 or 10,000 of these. I can't picture them making a huge amount of these. Right. You know. So they don't come up on eBay too often. It's like one a month they come up. And he gave me a pretty good deal. Not, not a killer deal. I didn't realize, though, Carlson, that the back panel's missing here. I didn't know that. But it's still a good deal. And this was interesting because the, the, it has the uh, the TV built into it, the TV tuner. But you can also hook up the CD system. Mm-hmm. You also can output it to a TV as well. But you can hook up a CD system, but the adapter costs like seven hundred dollars, six hundred dollars, because you can't find the adapter. Right? How many people bought this and then LT- also and bought the adapter? More, yeah. You know, so the adapter goes for a ton of money. But now I want to get it just to try it out, you know, just to see if it would work. But maybe, maybe this will work with you know those aftermarket stuff they're they're making now. Ah, uh, yes. You know I mean, wouldn't that work <laughs> um, for that? It's possible. Yeah. You know, so I can, uh, so you can <clears throat> make it like a, you know. Flash. So anyway, so this was good. Um, I I don't know if you can link two up together like you can with the standard uh, Turbo Express and PC Express. I don't see anything on here for that. I just see there's a CD-ROM. There's external external antenna. Maybe. We'll have to look into that. But anyway, thanks for the deal, Carlson. Um, but uh, thanks for giving me that. And he threw in the Bomberman Sega Saturn. Uh, multi-tab, which is it's adorable. Yes, I think there's is. I think there's a Super Famicom one as well. I believe. Um, well, there is a Hudson multi-tap for the Super Famicom. I can't remember if it's in Bomberman. Yeah, series. ours is plain as shit in the U.S. But right. I think theirs they, <coughs> you know, we weren't allowed to have fun in the U.S. Apparently, no. So that was that was my highlight. Besides, well, you know, uh, we did we did a very interesting podcast live on that Friday. Yeah, that was fun. It was. It actually turned out well for for. For just starting, there was like 60 to 70 people. Yeah. It was a decent amount. And, we, you know, we got into a row about something, which is funny. But, you know. Um, and then uh, 10th anniversary. Excuse me. 10th anniversary Pat the Punk panel was on Sunday. Uh, that went well. I showed up a preview of the video. The video's out right now. It's kind of struggling, which is why I can't do it regularly. It's only at 20,000 uh, views right now. Uh, like they pumped it up. So check out that video. Ian, what did you think of the video? I liked it. It's good. You actually watch it. This is like I, I'll be doing fireworks CG behind Ian right now <laughs> when I edit this. Ian watches about one out of fifteen of my videos. What was the reason for bad news baseball though? Did you did you watch the video? Did you, I don't think you watched the no, video. No, the preview. I haven't watched the actual video. You didn't yet. watch it. Not yet. That's no. what I was asking you. Oh, I was. Did you watch the tenth anniversary no, video? Not yet. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I did not watch it yet. I take back what I said. 
You know what, Ian? The fireworks CG is now turning into If I pray else. for the day that you reach some sort of milestone in your life, maybe your, your fifth electronic album, you win a Grammy, and <laughs> I can't wait to not listen to it. I don't expect anyone to. I'll, I will watch it. No, don't, was, don't do me any favors. Just, you know, was, was, it's just 10 was, years of a YouTube channel. At, a YouTube channel is the reason why we can sit here. I went you to know. your panel. It's, okay. I never go to your panels. I think you were to one before. I was. I got. I. I made sure I was there on time to go to your. I panel. would have rather you have watched the video <laughs> than go watch, to the panel. I meant to watch it yesterday. You could just do it at work. Oh my fucking god! <sighs> All right. Well, there goes that. It's going to be a strange podcast. Um, then I went back though. <laughs> I bought some yodels. I bought some. This, I, my yodels got crushed. My Drake's cakes yodels. Yeah, they which, got real which host crushed. is ripped off as a Swiss roll. Um, they ripped off half of Drake's Cakes stuff. Drake's Cakes is like the It regional. took me a minute to figure out why they called them yodels. Why? Because the generic term for those is a Swiss cake roll. Oh, okay. So they, they got that, and then they did the Swiss roll for, for so, Hostess. Yeah. But they didn't rip it off. I don't know. Y- y- yodel. They def- but they definitely ripped off um, the uh, uh, Funny Bones. That's uh, one with the peanut butter in the middle. Oh, those are good. And they definitely ripped off. What was the only ripped off? They ripped off like um, a couple of different ones. They actually both also have uh, the same cupcake with the little swirl on the top, the yeah. white swirl. Mm-hmm. I don't know who did that first, but I do know that Drake's I think existed before Hostess for some of this stuff. So, but I still love Hostess. I got fat in both of that, but I got fatter on Drake's. The, the Drake's ca- cakes that got me the most fat were the chocolate cupcakes with the icing on top. Yeah, just the plain old cupcake. plain old. Cho- I, yeah. I've eaten probably eight thousand of those in my life. <laughs> All before the age of 12, by the way. Thanks, Mom, for looking out for my health. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Before 12. Before 12. And butterscotch crimpets are my absolute favorite. And I bought a whole box of those, and there's a, a few left. And devil dogs. Devil dogs, I had one. They somehow managed to make it not as dry as the Sahara. They're a little bit moist now. I don't oh, know. Good. They changed the formula. So, you, so probably because kids choked and died on devil dogs. They used to have a – they would get to a, a... – it, they'd turn into, like, concrete in your mouth. You'd chew them. They'd mix with a little bit no, of the moisture. It would draw the moisture, moisture out, out, of, yeah. out of your body. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> you, so you, you need to have a nice glass of milk to just drown it. <laughs> like having peanut butter stuck in your mouth. Um, by the way, while I'm looking into a microphone, we had audio issues in the last podcast. And for all the people out there, if the reason we have headphones on is so we can hear ourselves with the mixer. So usually it's okay, but at times when it comes into the PC, something weird happens, and I think something weird happened with my USB connection, and that's why for part of the podcast it sounded awful, because even if I get this close to the mic, it shouldn't sound that terrible, but something happened, so I apologize for that. We couldn't do anything about it because we didn't know what was happening. Obviously, if we hear it's bad in our ears, we can do something about it. We don't have a producer. If you want to help produce the show, you know, let's go. Let's do it. I'll pay you you in uh, common NES cards. So I went back to... uh, but besides Drake's cakes and, and getting fat, uh, I went back to uh, my old neighborhood. I talked about it on the Noxicon podcast. Very nostalgic, Ian. I don't mm-hmm. know if you ever go back. To, well, you, your parents still have the, the original house, right? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. So you can't get nostalgic about that. But I went to my Toys R Us that was closing, and boy, that was that was bad. That was bad walking out. That was uh, because they had changed the configuration since I was a child, so it wasn't. I don't think any Toys R Us has the long ass vertical rows anymore. They're all horizontal, yeah, which makes more sense. So they had changed that before I left New Jersey, so that wasn't like nostalgic. But when I was walking out, oh boy, and seeing like the Toys R Us carts, those like old plastic, you know, sure. grading, you know, Toys R Us carts, boy, did that hit me. 
I was I got the when I walked out from there. But I bought a few things. What did you get? And it was seventy percent off of everything. I heard that like the last day was like ninety nine percent off a lot of stuff. I got the only Nintendo items I saw. They had one of these. This was uh, Villager, just a toy from World of Nintendo. Oh, that's cool. They had they had a bunch of Amiibo left, but only I think two or three types. And two were I think two, uh, I got this was the last one of Tom Nook from Animal Crossing. They had the other character, the other uh, grayish fox. Is there a gray fox? But anyway, I have to I have to transfer. I have to use one of my amiibos to transfer my my uh, my me to my Switch. I still have to do that. I'm still annoyed about uh. that because um, I worked long and hard in that. And finally, I got the the construction uh, Ripley power loader. Ah, uh, yes, that'll you sit were talking there. about that last night. Which, very which cool. took like an hour to put that thing together. It's I'll, I'll show the camera. It's awesome. They had this. They had like two of these, and both were open boxes. So I think they were just getting stuff from the back and throwing it out. I saw I saw an old lady walk out, an employee walk out with a freaking huge Power Rangers toy with a ripped box. So that if that was there before seventy percent off would have been gone. So that they literally was taken out like next to last day. And throwing out there. But the one thing that was amazing was they had rows and rows of Skylanders. I'm talking like two complete like twenty five foot rows of them. Oh shit. I'm talking thousands potentially. At least a thousand. There had to have been. I mean, none of, none of them were being bought. They were all thirty nine cents. Holy shit! I guess they're originally like probably seven ninety nine, eight ninety nine, something like yeah. that. You know, for the standard one. So they haven't done Skylanders in what a couple of years now. They canceled them. It's been no, a while. Honestly, I have no clue. But yeah, it's I been mean, a while though. At least it's been a while. Yeah. So oh, no. I, <laughs> so I, I fig- so I figured that that was just whatever shit they had in the back that they put away. <laughs> fucking song is awful well, every time i say it no i do it but i figure that 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 they went in the back and just got whatever shit they had left that wasn't sent back to the manufacturer and was dumping it right but now i'm thinking about okay think about how many of those Skylar figures are now out there if there's just one toy store that had like a thousand of them that they, they can't give them away i think i saw one purchased it was like complete pristine row of them and like one yeah, out of the just, front just one just, gun. just to get one gun i mean i thought about even buying one for 39 cents saying oh what the hell am i gonna do with this like a Skylar? and they only had like three or four different types so they must be like the last run of them sure but um people were buying stuff there's still a whole row of uh of like uh, baby strollers. So if you're having a kid anytime soon, or want to think you're having a kid, that seventy percent off is a pretty good deal. Yeah, off a stroller. I mean, there was like six, seven rows of stuff. It wasn't like it was totally empty. Here, other stores were totally empty. There was there was stuff. There was a couple Star Wars figures. There was some uh, WWE uh, toys that they had a, a uh, women's uh, title belt. Uh, if they had a world belt, that would have probably bought it. Um, so no, it it was uh, it was nostalgic. It was a good trip home. I went to. Uh, my favorite restaurant there, Jose Tejas, which is Tex-Mex and Cajun. There's like two in New Jersey. Love that place. And uh, yeah, that was that was my that was my week back, and I, I convalesced a little bit. And now now my year starts, Ian. Now the year starts. Your year's really hitting its stride. Yes, it's getting there. Seven months in, <laughs> six months. Um, Sorry, the seventh. But uh, Castle Country is coming together. Um, I will start on Twitch this month. That's a that's a that's a pat guarantee because the 10th anniversary video is done. I can now focus on other stuff, and uh, I'll I'll edit a Flea Market Madness this summer and get that going. I might I might just say screw it and edit all the last ten or twelve at one time and take like a week and just say here they are, there you go. I feel Flea like that's probably the best. Flea idea. Market sucks now. Yeah. So this is might be the last run. I might get to episode like forty five. Flea Market milk toast. I haven't been to Flea Market in three months. Can you imagine me five year five year, five years ago? Pat's not going to the Flea Market for more than like a week. No. I've been it's like ridiculous. shaking. Yeah. You know, like blowing up. 
Um, yeah. And so I then working on a certain Super Nintendo guidebook and getting and hitting that stride. Uh, I probably will do pre-orders on that. Pre-Kickstarter pre-orders. So I'll give you a discount. Ian's yawning is very interested in it. So yeah, lots it's of no stuff. Offense. No offense. No, there's an offense. There's an offense. I took it. Actually, I'm I'm looking forward to the Super Nintendo book. Are you really? Yeah. You, will, you, will you read that one? Yes. All right. Yeah, I will. I have no skin in this one. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, well, you have a semi skin. You write an article. Oh yeah, I'm going to write an article. Give you a stipend. I'm just going to write an article. It'll be nice. Just give you a stipend. Well, you know, we'll do a we'll do a paid review on, on your uh, play a mahjong game while you review the book. <laughs> you can call it you can call it dry like Norm did. Yeah, Norm. So, anyway, anything else going on? It's a long intro here. No, no, I'm I'm good. That's that's it. Okay. Um, Ian, Pat, what meant this occasion? Almost two years later, uh, about has it been two years. NES Classic Edition. The NES Classic Edition is back. It's back. It was on uh, store shelves last week. Was it the 29th it was back? Friday. So um, it's it's selling. We're getting tweets every day just about saying I, I waited. Thank, thanks, you guys. I didn't pay scalpers. I got the system, and now I can enjoy it. There's, there's a cute, adorable picture of tweeted at me. I'm not sure if it's tweeting as well, but there's two kids playing it. Yeah. Two, like, five, six-year-olds playing the games, and it's like – here you go, Nintendo. Thank you for making this right. Yeah, Nintendo finally made this right. Uh, Local yeah. boy makes good. <laughs> Local big business makes good. After after the nightmare that was the original NES Classic launch, you know, um, Nintendo, one of the, I think, worst examples of Nintendo uh, looking at the demand for something and being like, I do not see this demand. This demand you're yeah. showing me, it's not here. And they've done that with their like their 3DS Majora's Mask stuff and their limited edition 3 they, They've done that before, but this I thought was like a much larger scale. This was the pinnacle of Nintendo yeah. simply not listening and refusing yes. to listen, uh, you know, uh, ignoring, I think, uh, especially in this instance, the, uh, the uh, North American fan base. Uh, sure. And they got burned hard on it they uh, oh they heard it the we, the uh the public reaction was not good and they lost out on a ton of money yes uh that they could have been absolutely just printing that holiday season yeah the holiday season they could have sold like 10 20 million 20 million of them if they actually advertised it and made enough absolutely so they didn't have nearly enough um of the supply the first time uh, two, two million the was the total yeah i think two million which is nothing nothing absolutely nothing so they only had two million around the first time um People were pissed. They didn't talk about when they were going to end the production of the NES Classic the first time. Yeah, they didn't really reveal it. Oh, we meant this to be a holiday little thing. Right. They, they said it after the fact. And people were like, why would you do that? So it came and went. Then they had, did another little print run that was nothing to after right. the new year, beginning of 2017. Uh, 17. Yep, they did so that. it came and went, and people were upset. There was zero communication about the original NES Classic, but then they announced the Super Nintendo Classic, and they said they were going to uh, fix a lot of the issues with that that release, that launch. And with the they, supply, and they did. And they did. Um, it still wasn't amazingly easy to get a hold of on launch day, but very quickly it became pretty easy to find one if you were patient. Um, by now, you can basically go and find one almost anywhere. I walked into Target yesterday. There was three of them. Yeah. So, so they're still selling at shows. Yep. But the supplies, they, they reached that sweet spot with that. It being after like, what, eight months by now. And Nintendo uh, announced that they were going to redo the NES Classic. 
and they said this time they said it will be available through the holidays so you know what time period it's going to be out they could always extend that now um if they wanted to and uh from what I've been hearing, the amount of supply on release was even better than that of the SNES Classic, and I, I don't know anyone who really wanted one who could not get one on release day. In, in, in fact, down in Chula Vista, where one of our locations, um, one of our locations is uh, for Luna Video Games, people were telling me that even. As of yesterday, there there were still a few in that area well, at, well, at Target. Well, I think they're gone now. I'm looking at all the San okay. Diego stores. They're, they're okay. I went to what the sports arena yesterday was gone, but there is one store in San Diego that still has them. Okay, so that tells me that we're like five days into this being out. Yeah, about the fact that you can still find them at all, four to five days at multiple stores in the area in a major city. That's really good. They they took care of that. Yeah, it's going to sell out still because people right. couldn't get it two years ago. But that's really good news. Someone like really good news. Someone at one of the shops on a Friday or no yesterday actually had the. I, they were actually like, yeah I think Nintendo screwed it up again this time too. Now they've made too many and I'm like no they can't make too many no they're going to sell them. Don't worry about it. They're gonna sell. It's <laughs> you can't make too many of them. I mean, you you could you technically could, you could <laughs> yes you could. Following Nintendo's ever really done that. Yeah. That sounds like the Wii U. I mean, it probably made too many of those, but that was like, you know, an anomaly. It's never been where like Nintendo stuff is marked down 90% off besides Amiibos at Toys R Us going out of uh, business. Yeah. But uh, my, the word is so far that it's it's exactly the same from what I've heard. They haven't locked it down that you can still oh, hack it. Yeah, you can still hack it. Um, it still only comes with one controller. The controller cords are the same length from what I understand. They didn't care. Yeah, everything is exactly... I mean... But from what I saw, speaking of the controllers, I've seen more... I saw one picture with like... It was a stack of like 30 or 40 NES Classics at a store with a line of single controllers in front. You never saw that when the, when the first... You couldn't find a store sure. with the single controllers. I, I've still heard that those are... Uh, those I'm sure. are still hard to come by. I mean, not impossible, but I've heard the controllers are still harder to come by than and the system is going to be, yeah. of course. But because not everyone's going to need that, or need want that. that. And Nintendo probably should have just did two like they did with the Super Nintendo. They well, probably should have. What I was getting at with what I was saying prior is, um, it really seems like they just shuffled some pieces back around and turned a production line back on because nothing has changed. No. I, I think Nothing. we predicted that. It's like they don't, yeah. they don't care if people yeah. are hacking them. No, I, they I, really don't. I, they, yeah, they're gonna make. They're making their money off of it. So I wonder if the packaging is exactly the same because that NES Classic Dish controller that I had because I managed to get one in a bundle that was worth one hundred and fifty dollars for the U.S. packaging. The European one was different. You can get that one easily. The U.S. one was going for a lot to collectors. So now with this, it probably just you know nose does, which I don't care. People get to get it. Um, so buy it now. Some scalpers trying to get thirty nine bucks for it. So he's trying to double their money. So. I mean, he has eight here. Scumbag seller. Uh, another person. Smart. Another person has four. They're trying to sell them for only twenty six dollars. So you know, they're going for, I think they're ten dollars, right? They're ten dollars each, not twenty. They're ten dollars each, I believe. I don't think they're ten. Uh, I I'll, they're twenty. I'll check on Target. Uh, anyway, so so what happened in the past couple years? We, we've said this like three times. That this this was actually kind of had to occur. This disaster for Nintendo to do an about face and sort of realize that hey, there's a demand for these art old games. We have to value these diff- differently come out with the Super Nintendo Classic, come out with the NES Classic. Uh, sounds like the N64 might come out at some point. Um, and then also, we're going to turn around uh, and, and sort of re-examine how our Switch Online service works and what we do with 
our library, our back catalog. Oh, geez, that's approaching fast too. That's September. So all these things happen partially, I think, at least because of the NES Classic Edition having a you know huge demand and no supply. Nintendo kind of be like, what's going on here? We never thought about this. Well, I don't know how they never thought about it, but you know, they they were just sort of immune to the retro part of the market, and now it's being uh, inserted into their current plans, and that's kind of surprising to this well, extent. I, I love Nintendo, but they're also pigheaded. I, I I think sometimes they they want to wait for a time where they can act like they've discovered something that they've been told the whole time. <laughs> oh, guys, we're Guess guess what, guys? We have our old library of games that we can sell to you. And on. it's real popular. And, and no company's ever put out these all-in-ones before. There has been Atari right. flashbacks for like We've 13 years. We've been saying years. that for five years. No, no, but you were wrong then. But, I mean, no, no, now, we're now, right. Now, we're, now yeah. we need it. Yeah. N- now it's proper, you know. They're they're frustrating in that way. Yeah. I don't, I don't see it available to controller at uh, Target. I'll look on Amazon. I believe it was only $10, though. I don't okay. think it was 20 I think well, the, Oh, the, one of the guys who came in who was telling me about how excited he was to get one said that they were limiting the controllers. Limited. Um, and even then, they had sold out at the Target he went to. They were they're limiting to one per store? Uh, one per person. Oh, one per person. And they, yeah, they were sold out. Yeah, you can always get, even up to a few months ago, you can find the uh, the European. It's a toy, it's the same controller, but it was a different uh, style box, and those were like 20 or 30 bucks. So they for some reason, they just didn't come out here. And yeah, and, and of course, uh, Nintendo has been realizing this appeal because they're doing that that famicom uh the one with all the anime properties that we talked about too. oh the the uh, the shonen jump 50th yeah so, so we have famicom. so we have two different i want one of those i don't know why i want one i kind of i kind of do too i'm kind of surprised i never got the famicom mini i'm sure they're you can still get them easily they had them at uh, the, uh one booth had a couple of them at uh too many games and they weren't charging like an insane amount for them so I, so we have then three different versions of the nes slash famicom that they've come out and you have uh the, the, the super and you have the uh the, the super famicom one as well and the european one too so right there's three different types yeah so you have six different types they've come out with in this in the span of two years now and you're we're gonna have more we're gonna, at least gonna have the n64 game boy i'm still sort of not too i'm kind of hedging my bets on that because that's like a handheld and that kind of eats into the switch being a hand that's a little weird to me the Game Boy. I mean, we'll see. I said I'm not sold that there will be a Game Boy one. I wasn't sold there will be N64, but I'm definitely not sold on a on a Game Boy one. I don't think there's the brand awareness for that, and I don't think that. I don't know. I just think it's different, being that it's a handheld. So yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I love the Game Boy, but I. I don't know. I'd buy one. I just don't know how much of a market there is. Oh yeah, I'd buy one. I absolutely would buy one. I mean, but but I still wonder myself: Is it you know after the Super Nintendo guy comes out, it, would people be be interested in a Game Boy one? Would there be people that would be like, oh, I want to learn about the whole Game Boy library, or is that sort of like that's something I would jump in on? Uh, okay, you heard it here first. It's a guarantee. I would I would do Game Boy. I would do PC Engine slash Turbo. All right, so uh, yeah, so I guess uh, huzzah for Nintendo turning it around. Oh, and, and, yeah, and us fanboys give Nintendo tons of shit when this happened. Well, you were off the podcast for part of it, but it, we, I gave Nintendo lots of shit for this, like lots, for not having uh, proper supply for this and, and sort of just shit in a way. And they'll never catch up on those lost sales, by the way. They might get closer, but they're never going to catch up on the initial push. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of people who were interested in it the first time, I mean, that boat has sailed. It sailed. And plus, that was the holiday season, too, that they, they missed out on. Maybe this holiday season, we'll see. With the N64, if they do it, but no. So, 
and we'll, and we'll, we'll have that virtual boy classic sometime soon as well that'll be fun that would be fun <laughs> like the r zone so oh jesus louise the r zone so we have our first kickstarter we're going to be discussing this week ian and it's an interesting one yeah so i'm pretty pretty excited about this it's called the flip grip it's for the nintendo switch it's already uh, funded yep that's awesome I believe the idea came from uh, a fellow by the name of Jeremy Parrish, and it's going to be produced by uh, Fangamer. And it's a pretty niche little item, but if you enjoy shooters, shoot 'em ups, shmups, if you want to use that stupid word, um, then this is going to be something that's going to be pretty exciting. So the Switch allows for. Uh, a lot of the shooters on the Switch, and even some of the arcade well, games like Donkey Kong, okay, allow for people to flip the screen horizontally to or si- vertically to simulate the horizontal arcade machine. So, uh, simu- yeah, exactly. So Donkey time. Kong is an example. Shooters are an example. Normally, this requires you to use a stand to put your system on, and then you can use like your Joy-Con or your Pro Controller to play sure. the game. But you can't do that real well in a handheld mode so in handheld mode you'd be forced to look at a vertical screen horizontally so you're you're squeezing it and you're getting a small image right precisely so what the flip grip does is it's a accessory it's an accessory it's a that that allows you to hold the screen vertically and it gives you a spot to slide your joy cons into so it's it's a it's a slide on piece of plastic in essence yeah so it allows you to hold your Switch in handheld mode with the screen in a vertical orientation. So you don't need a stand. You don't need to sit away from it. You can comfortably sit sure. and hold your Switch in a vertical orientation and play these shooters and these arcade games in the, um, the, in the best visual mode that you can. And this is fantastic because it's not, it's not every day that you get to play um, these games in this in this resolution, in this style, and it's one of the coolest things about the system. So now that you can take it on the go and do it this way, it's it's pretty great. The flip grip consists of a single piece of durable injection molded plastic, which is why it's so cheap. We'll get into that. It doesn't cost that much. Designed to hold the switch rotated at 90 degrees counterclockwise. Slide, slide the switch in until it clicks into place. Then slide the Joy-Cons into the rails on either side like you would on the console. Then there's like a little release button. I guess to mm-hmm. eject out the, the excess or the switch so it slides back out. So um, I guess there's a prototype here, um, and they're they're asking for funds obviously because injection molding is not cheap. They probably did a 3D print, I'm uh, guessing for the prototype. Um, and then there's a list of all the games available. Now, let's, I mean, there's not a huge amount of games that this will be used for. So this is a limited audience, but there's still an audience for this for the, a product like this. The audience who wants it, it we wants really, it really, really want it. Yeah, I want it now. So um, it it's uh, cost twelve dollars. For a, for a flip grip, or uh, twenty four dollars for two, so you save on shipping. Maybe we go halfsies. We'll see. And then they already they got uh, sixty seven hundred fifty backers with six days left. So in the grand scheme of things, you're like, well, that's not a huge amount of people. But I think this is a sort of product to me where once there's an awareness of it, people realize they always wanted it. You know what I mean? Like this is something that even yeah. maybe someone like me like, well, you know, it would be cool to play, you know, Donkey Kong. You know, the other way, and not have to worry about, like you said, putting it on a stand or setting it up somewhere. Right. You know, using the vertical screen. So, so here's the, the list. Like, they actually did a good job with this Kickstarter because they have the 
you know they have like the animation of the 3d uh, the render mock-up right and then they have the list of games which is great so donkey kong which just you know just came out um and that's technically a vertical screen uh, punch they, out uh, punch out's a big one that's a really because that, that that was two monitors in the arcade so yeah that's like as vertical as you can get stacking monitors up um there's punch out and if they ever come out with super punch out then the arm wrestling game which i can't picture the arm wrestling game that'd be fun though uh, yeah uh, then you have a uh, Star Force, good old Star Force, Terra Cresta, uh, Unlimited Three. Not not familiar with that one. Uh, Don Mako. Don Mako Unlimited Three. Uh, some other ones Ian knows knows about. Gunbird, Gunbird Two, uh, Karuga, Dig Dug, good old Dig Dug. Ian, mm-hmm. Galaga, Galaga uh, Eighty Eight, Pac Man. People always forget that Pac Man's a vertical screen more oh, yeah. than horizontal. Uh, and then you have Pinball Effects. Perfect for for Ian. This is where Ian's starting to salivate onto my microphone. It's it's all the games that I want. Yeah, yes, yes, it <laughs> it's is. Everything I play. <laughs> yes, it's like this is. Then coming soon, they they have Gain Ground, which we've discussed in the podcast. Where Alpha Mission, early shooter, important Guerrilla War, which is one of the best run of shooters. It's going to be amazing when that SNK collection comes out. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm on board for this. I absolutely am. And this is, I guess, through Fan Gamer helping out, and they're a good company. So uh, yeah, and this is supposed to come out. Uh, what's when's supposed to come out? I think it ships in August or something like that. It, it's real soon. They said uh, caveats at the mention risks and challenges. There's no vertical UI for the Switch yet. Oh, that'd be a good idea if they in- in- integrated that at some point. That would be cool. Um, and then they're doing. So Nintendo really didn't design the Switch used in vertical mode. A few critical features run along Switch's uh, upper and lower edges, and the flip rip unavoidably obstructs some of them. So you're going to not have uh, access to the charger the tr- to charge it while you play and also the power button on and off so it's like yeah well you got the rest of it they put yeah. It, yeah okay this is cute i never noticed this um <laughs> there's a slot where you can stick a credit card or a business card or a hotel key or something in the back and you can turn it into a stand oh really yeah let me say oh wow that's actually pretty cute they that's, use the space that's very clever and they did a simple little little uh smiley face on the flip grip to make it cute because we all love stuff and we're susceptible to cute little imagery that makes us spend more money than we should so So, yeah i'll be backing this when i get home today i I didn't do it yet so all right you want to go have these i'm trying to think of you know i would this would be good to have in case i I mean it's an extra eight bucks to get to so yeah if you want to do that i'll I'll split it with you no it's extra 24 dollars. it's 12 dollars each you just save on save on shipping oh yeah that's fine yeah so there you go. We were not endorsing yet, but we, we we're going to check it out here. So g- good job, Jerry and Parrish, and also the people, good people at Fangamer there. Ian, you know we're the preeminent Battle Royale podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we sure are. We're number one on iTunes on Battle Royale and Fortnite podcast. Well, we spoke about this before about just Battle Royale and all day, every day. PUBG creators have been angry and upset over the massive success of Fortnite for a while. And they've said that, well, they're kind of, you know, ripping off our Battle Royale mode, so we're going to sue you. Well, and we said for a while that uh, this probably wouldn't go anywhere. At least in the U.S. would not get anywhere. Other countries, maybe, if different, if different, you know, copyright laws. But we always maintain that you can't really copyright a game mode. Yeah. You can't copyright... Um, TV and movie genres, you can't copyright song genres. It's just the style of something you, you you're allowed to emulate a style. Yeah. That's what art is. You can't say, okay, I'm doing this, you can't come close to it. So they had a lawsuit against Epic Games over Fortnite. 
And it would have been, it would have went on forever, first of all. It would have been a waste of money. And at the end, nothing would have been gained because it, it probably would have been thrown out. I don't think Epic Games would even settle because that, that would be a Pandora's box. Oh, yeah. That'd be like patent trolling at that point. It'd be, it'd be game genre trolling. Yeah, if, if you settle for that, if you set any sort of precedent, that's... That's bad for the, ooh, whole, the, the whole industry. Yeah, it'd that, be terrible. that would be awful. It'd be like, oh, well, you're doing, you're doing a capture the flag and, and your game, I'm doing it. Or you're doing a zombie mode, I'm going to sue you because we're doing a zombie mode. No right. one's sued over a zombie mode. Right. And now it's in every fucking game that has nothing to do with zombies. We're, we're going to put we're going to put zombies on the moon in our you know uh, space shooter. I don't know. It's, it's like the easy cheap thing to get you to buy a game. So why wouldn't you try to put a battle royale mode in in your game? Why wouldn't you? But you know, they sort of perfected it, I guess. But these games are are really different though. They're different in art style, they're different in the tone different you know what i mean so fortnite has an entire building aspect that PUBG does not have. yeah so they're different games sorry i'm not sure how many how many PUBG's fans are out there that would say well there's there's, there's no reason for this lawsuit according to this engaged article they they kind of they kind of uh guess why the, the, the lawsuit was dropped because it's a dumb lawsuit. I mean, that's yeah, well, all I can think of. For for one, it probably wasn't going to accomplish much. Yes. Short of securing an outright ban on Fortnite, a successful lawsuit wasn't likely to slow Epic down. It might have obtained money and some cosmetic changes, but not much more. It might have even provoked a backlash from gamers who saw it as petty. Yes, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I think that's I think that's a big one right now is with Fortnite in the lead and um I mean, Fortnite being as popular as it is, PUBG doing that, I don't know, it, yeah, it would look petty. And I don't think they need any negative, I don't think PUBG needs any negative attention right now. Sure. And, and plus, remember, this wasn't even the first game that did Battle Royale. No, of course not. We've talked about, what, H1Z1 before in the podcast before. Well, yeah, this, I mean, PUBG, and I'm not going to pretend to know everything here, PUBG started as a mod to one of those. It was either... H1Z1 or Arma or something like that. Sure. And then it spun off into its, its own game. So there's no merit. You want to argue the style is similar, then we, that's, again, that's a Pandora's box of, you know, oh, these movies are similar. You know, if, 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 if they can't sue sci-fi for making, like, uh, the Jurassic Park clones they always do, like Dinosaur Park 3. <laughs> right. You know, with their awful CG uh, dinosaurs, then this, this has no merit. So I'm glad that they, they came to their senses and um, just do your own thing. Just don't worry. Yeah. The healthy competition, put out a better product or, or I'm sure they're not starving. Let's put it this way. It, it, it's not like I, I, I think that people would, if this, if Fortnite didn't exist, would they automatically play PUBG? Of course not. Cause they're totally different games and style. They look different. They play different. So unless you get into that conversation, like, well, like, they took the same exact game, and they just, like, swapped out a few assets. Yes, then, of course. But sure. if you talk about a different game, a totally different game from the ground up, sorry, dude. Mm-hmm. Super Mario Bros. wasn't the first platformer, but yeah. they did a lot better than the, the other platforms that came before it. Sure. So And that and that's the bottom line, because Ian said so. <laughs> yes, exactly. Give me a hell yeah. You see, you see, in the World Cup, they're doing like Fortnite dances now. When they score, they do like the L dance and everything. It's nuts. I'm not surprised. It's absolutely insane. It, it, it's a phenomenon. So, when do you think Disney buys Fortnite? When do they think they buy Fortnite? They buy yeah. Epic Games. Yeah, when do they buy hey, Epic that means games. an unreal tournament game. Hell, I'll I'll put it in some dollars. <laughs> I'm not letting it go. Epic. 
we'll sell our soul for so little these days. Fine, fine, do it, Disney. Just give me an X-Men movie. Fine, fine, yes. do it. Just give me an Unreal Tournament, Disney. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I trust Disney before they become our overlords. <clears throat> do you want to talk about Atari? Atari VCS? Email? I mean, no, but <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> so this was... Uh, we talked about this briefly at... Uh, too many games during our live podcast, and this is uh, see you live. This is, uh, this is about ten days old at this point, but still, it's 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 worth mentioning. It's it's fairly amusing. So our pals at the register, at least I would like them. To well, we're, be gonna our pals. Him, we're gonna buy them fish and chips. Not, we're gonna buy not a sandwich. I'm gonna buy them sandwiches. They, 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 have, they have good grinders in the UK. I don't know. Uh, probably not. Okay, or subs uh, or whatever hoagies. We're gonna call it. So the register. Went to um, went to San Francisco and did an interview with uh, Atari at what was supposed to be kind of like a, a launch or a showing of the uh, the Atari VCS, the Atari box. And they posted the interview. I believe it was sometime in February. We discussed it at the time. Yeah, we we discussed it when it came out. Um, the article was critical. And did not paint uh, Atari in a particularly good light because it was not possible to really paint yeah, that they, interaction in they, a good they, light. They, they had a, a, a mock-up of the Atari VCS set up in a hotel room near the event. Right. Um, at, at the uh, at GDC. It was GDC. So they had uh, Suite 7088 at the Marriott Marquis Hotel. So they didn't actually didn't have any floor space at GDC. Right. I guess they were reaching out to reporters and journalists saying, hey, we're doing, we have a mock-up in the hotel room. So... Uh, Kieran McCarthy, our pal Kieran, never met the guy. I'm sure, he's nice, nice dude. Probably has an awesome accent. Be our pal. Um, they were shown engineering design models, and it did not work. Instead of you know what they were led to believe they would see. Um, anyways, we covered that. You can go back and read that article. Sure, they asked about the controller. They asked that will it work on a computer? Is it proprietary? Is it proprietary? Will it work in a computer? I don't know. Lots of stuff along those lines. They weren't getting, like, solid answers. Yeah, about anything. And they reported on it. Yeah, they were a little snarky, but it was it was truthful. It was truthful. So, flash forward flash. to present day. The Kickstarter for the Atari VCS has somehow done gangbusters. Well, well yeah. Well, well, I'm not shocked at that. No. Um, I mean... The Indiegogo, we have to say, not Kickstarter. Oh, I'm sorry, Indiegogo. And that's a, and that's a, and we're going to get to that. Why that's an important distinction? We'll get to that soon. So it, it's it's gone gangbusters for them and millions. The someone posts in the Facebook page for the Atari VCS a link to that article from some months ago, and you know it's kind of like, eh, what is this? It's always the Facebook thing where this happens. Seems yeah. So the response from Atari was, we honestly can't explain that article either. Our executives, I'm pretty sure it was one, but our executives sat with that reporter for half an hour and he wrote what he wanted instead of what was discussed with him. Sadly, there are even irresponsible trolls in professional positions, I guess. We clearly said that we were bringing engineering design models to GDC and lots of people clearly don't understand what that means. Hunks of plastic? Well, yeah, that's how you finalize the designs and confirm that you can get the look and feel you want for the finished products. Sad. Kieran responded in this updated article. While we at the Register 
often take a lighthearted and critical perspective on the news of the day, we take our professional obligations as reporters very seriously. Because now you're calling the question the integrity of the reporter that they're lying. Right. And that, that is very serious. It is. I, I know in this day and age, that's, that's fun. It's a fun thing to do. It's also dangerous to do it, by the way, constantly. Yep. But, but in this case, though, the reporter was very well prepared in, in case this accusation came up. So, turns out that they had recorded the entire interview. They recorded the 30-minute interview. As you sometimes often do when you're doing interviews. It's not uncommon it's, to record. Yeah, because we're, we're past the days of reporting where you have the little notepad and your little news hat with a little, you know, little card in your hat saying reporter or news and you're writing down everything. No, you just interview. And you may, but you may still do that. But still, you take notes, you record things, yeah, you, you just, transcribe it when you get back to what you're doing. Audio recorders are very cheap. Every smartphone has a built-in recorder. This is not like this is hard to do. So they went back and they went to see if they could still find the recording of the interview. And sure enough, they did. So they went line item by line item <laughs> for their original report and synced up with the actual audio answer of the Atari uh, executive. What was this person's name? Uh, it's not even important. You know, it's not even important who this important. is. It's a figurehead. It's not even important. So uh, Mike. Mike something. Not, is it, it is a mic? Yeah, it's a mic. It's a mic. It's a mic. It's always a mic. It's a so, Mike or Kevin. So, they, they, I mean, they, you listen to this yourself. We have the link below. But they even, I, I guess Atari was surprised that anyone could possibly write something negative about this. Right. So, I guess they think it's all, you know, all flowers and, and, and daisies and, and tasty cakes versus actual reporting and opinion about what's coming out. And we, we've seen that ourselves, covering things. Mm -hmm. We've been called drunken podcasters yeah. before. <laughs> I've been attacked otherwise for other things. I've had YouTubers attack me for trying to, trying to really pick out what's going on and giving my honest opinion about things. And in this case, uh, Kieran was giving his honest opinion that maybe there's not really information about this, and maybe they should have information about a gigantic endeavor like a like a excuse me Indiegogo that gets three million dollars. Maybe we should have more information at this point. Right. These are all fair questions to have. And then why does this console exist? What's going to happen with this console after it comes out? These are fair questions. These are not these are not like hater questions. No, <laughs> these are fair questions. These are questions that. You have to know as a consumer, <laughs> and also if you're covering the industry, that you would ask naturally because you have common sense. Yeah. If Xbox was doing this, or, 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 or Sony, or Nintendo, you would ask the same questions. You'd actually probably be more critical of them because they're gigantic companies, and Atari now is a shell of its former self. So, yeah, they brought the receipts. So read the article. It's funny as hell because it's like, well, if you don't like our snark before, here you go. Yeah, here's, here's more. I haven't been on the Facebook page. I haven't seen the responses. But this is going to be another product that you're going to fall into either a cult-like following or you have no interest like, like Ian and I. I think there's not really going to be an in-between that much on this. No. There might be a, some people that want it as, like you said, like an art deco piece. It's neat looking, like, visually, and that's all I can say about it. For, 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 three, for $300, though. No. But but one of the things that I don't think we, 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 we know of this, we didn't discuss it. But I think we might have overlooked it on the Indiegogo. Is that the re again the reason these companies go to Indiegogo? Like the reason the Retro VGS originally went to Indiegogo and not went to Kickstarter because Kickstarter has more stringent rules when it comes to crowdfunding when it comes to hardware development. Mm -hmm. 
for Kickstarter, for you to, to be pushing a piece of hardware, you have to have a prototype, a working prototype, so that they know that this is not going to be some sort of fly-by-night business operation or or even so that you're not competent enough to make a cool-looking... Because anyone can say, I'm going to put together the best fucking hardware ever. It's going to be a toaster. It's going to give you a blowjob. It's going to be the best piece of hardware ever. That's fine. Hell, I'll sign up right now. But the, the gap between the vision and following through to fruition is pretty fucking large. Yes. Especially for a company that hasn't put out a piece of hardware since, uh, since the, the fucking Jaguar uh, over 20 years ago, and that failed miserably. We're talking 25 years. So Indiegogo doesn't have those requirements. So we could go on Indiegogo tomorrow and put out the CU console. We honestly could. Yep. And nothing could stop us. And we could take your money, and nothing could stop us. We could say this would be the best console ever. So... Even, so it's even more important for journalists to ask these questions when it's Indiegogo versus Kickstarter. At least on Kickstarter, there's at least a real proof of concept and not just some fucking model of, well, we got the angles right. on, on We got the, like, the, the ridges correctly measured right. out on, on how our... <clears throat> that's not important. What's inside the console? How it's going to operate? What's the speed of it? What's the RAM? What's the tech? That's the important questions. How many gerbils are running on wheels? Yes! We'll put out the gerbil... Con- I, I almost want to do it as a joke. When we get back. Like, I want to put out like an Indiegogo of like the CU. I, I want to do it <laughs> just to prove the point. Right. We, we probably would get it funded. Oh yeah, no, probably. <laughs> we probably get it funded. I mean, I don't know if that's good, but I mean, <laughs> but that's the point, would. though. So, all right, anything else to add to this? No, no. Uh, I, I, the, the, the register is, is really. Oh, <laughs> I forgot that's there. Yeah. Um, the register is really flying high up on our on our favorite people or websites. They're great. They're, They're wonderful. Great. Tari Age, the register, neck and neck almost. At this Sandwiches point. all around. So this is just a, I just this is a nice little thing. Um, there is a special edition switch coming out, uh, but you're not going to be able to go buy it, which is a real shame, because if you could. I would already be looking to sell off my Switch for a special edition one. Nintendo is putting out a limited edition. Well, limited. they're releasing three, and only three apparently, Labo-themed Switches as prizes for um, the Labo Creators Contest. And holy crap, is this thing awesome. Um so first, the way you can win it is uh, there's three ways you can win. In the Labo Creators Contest, um, you can win it by, uh, for the most original creation, the best customization of a creation, or in the younger kids category up to 12. When you win it, you get a cardboard-themed switch. So it's in... Cardboard color. Cardboard color. A creamish color. Yeah, like a creamy beige color. Um, which actually looks pretty nice. It actually doesn't look bad. Like if that was actually a color scheme. Yep. It's a and, plain, but... And on the back, it looks... Uh, it's got the Nintendo Labo logo. Oh, that's that's on the dock. It's also on the... If you oh, it's on back, both. Yeah, oh, it is. It's on both. So the Nintendo Labo uh, logo on both the back of the, the Switch console and the dock. Okay. And the dock is also colored differently as well. And, the, and then the Joy-Cons have the same Exactly. Color. And the Joy-Cons are the same cardboard color. And the te- if you look at the texture, is the texture actually even a little bit Yeah, the different? texture looks a little bit grainier, or at the very least, there's some sort of printing on it that, some... that makes it look papery. On, on all, yeah. 
and, and on the switch and on, all of it looks a little bit like that little papery grainy like like cardboard exactly it actually has the appearance of cardboard um the back of the dock is really cool looking it has like corrugation printed on it so it looks like it's actually made out of um looks like it's actually made out of you know a card you know sure folded cardboard it's really simple and understated and i like it a lot but yeah supposedly there's only going to be three of them and you have to win the you know nintendo creators contest to actually get one so i imagine this will be at i don't know too many games in 10 years being sold for a ridiculous amount of money i I guess that's one question if there's a big switch collector's market this this will go for thousands and thousands right you know if, if you have it at that point um, they always can say though, oh, we're gonna put off you know fifty more or whatever, or or if they if they see the demand for it, why not do a bundle a year from now with buy Labo and you? you I gotta, can see that. Yeah, you know why not? I'm surprised they haven't done that. I'm I'm shocked that we're a year in. I expected I expect these sort of things to happen where you get the color console with with the Joy Cons and, and the docks. I'd say year two or three when they're trying to pump up more sales or get you to buy another one. Sure. I can see that happening. I'm, I'm not surprised we haven't really seen it yet. We, obviously, we have different, we have what, 10 different Joy-Con colors now almost? Right. Is they're it doing 10, all... 8 to 10? Well, you know, it, it, the, the tablet has, you can do stuff on the back with it, obviously. But, you know, the Joy-Cons, I guess, are, hmm, no, I'm wrong. I was thinking there's just not as much space to customize the switch but now there's plenty of room you could you know there's plenty of spot stuff to customize on it sure but i mean we, we've had bundles we've had like multiple bundles already right uh, for the switch but yeah they, they, for the most part there's been okay we're just going to give you the game we're right give you the good the, we're gonna give you the plain gray one which by the way i don't think they're making that gray one anymore I went, when i went to target there was no gray uh joy con systems i mean they're all the the blue and red oh really ones. so i think huh. they, they went backwards and and said, "Well, I think people just want the colored one." Oh, neat! You know, versus versus just the the blah one. But no, I think this is going to be this is going to be the first of. I want to say they're going to have like I'd say six to eight different variations of this by the time this lifespan is done. Oh yeah, they're going to have a, a smash one potentially. They can do it. I, I, I'm surprised they never did a Zelda one. I guess since the console first launched, they didn't want to muck up the market with right. that. But you know. Metroid one, or there'll be another probably Mario Kart game coming out on this system. There'll absolutely point. be a Pokemon one. I mean, there was a Pikachu one. I mean, there's been eight billion Pokemon ones, uh, you know, for 3ds and stuff like that. Yeah, so, so just think of that. Because oh, if there's a Pikachu one, I'll lose my goddamn mind. See, see, Nintendo. All you gotta do is put the fucking eyes on it, and little red cheeks, and done. Put the ears on it somewhere. Fucking done. Or would the ears be the Joy Cons when they're sleeping? They gotta like. Make the face wider. I don't know. <laughs> Either way, just e- just do it. Ian, you know, another man, children are the prime audience for this. You just you can right. slap Pikachu on goddamn anything. And I'll buy it. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, it's, it's 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 interesting that Nintendo could could do this because yeah, the, the Joy Cons is one thing, but the whole even the yeah even the dock like people would want an extra dock and just give us different color options. That to me is a no brainer. Yeah, just to do that. Yeah, and it, it is cool that you, you know you get the. It's interesting because of its portability, but also the fact that it's home use. Um, there is, I guess, there is a lot more to customize that way because, yeah, something that you take out and show off, you can customize the body. But also, people would probably want the customized docks because there are people who, and I forget that I'm kind of in the minority, you know, um, in terms of using it undocked more than docked. A lot of people just use it as a home console. Sure. So yeah, there's lots of opportunities to just have, you know. 
decorated or you know limited edition docks and stuff like that. So right now they have red, they have the uh, red and blue. So that's what three colors. Oh, you're just talking oh, about excuse, the, me, excuse me, gray, gray. The configurations. Yes, yeah. they have gray. They have uh, they have well, do they have a neon red and a regular red, or just they have the neon yellow, neon pink and green. That's from Splatoon, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Super Mario Red. The neon yellow were uh, arms. Those were the arms controllers. Okay. So they have Super Mario Red that came just with the Odyssey Edition bundle. But they didn't do the rest of the console. Just the... I didn't know that. It was Super Mario Red. So they have like, what? That's like seven colors they have. Pat Math. Roughly seven colors. Might be off a little bit. I can't, I can't count like that. But so see what I mean, though? Yeah. So, but the console choices, it'll, it'll expand. It'll, I think it'll expand. Give it some time. Even though Nintendo doesn't traditionally do that for the home console, but this is a handheld and so you'll you'll get you'll get like five or six I'd say at least. Quick aside, um, just about like the controllers and stuff. People looking at the Switch as a handheld or a dock system, just reminds me of a weird story from uh, work on on Friday. <clears throat> Kid comes in, teenager like seventeen, eighteen. Kid Chameleon comes in and uh, he's like, "Hey, do you guys do repairs on systems?" And I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely." And he goes, and he pulls out a Switch. He's like, "The R button on the." Uh, the right R button is screwed up. He's like, could you guys fix that? I'm like, no, we don't do like repairs on the, the controllers. He's like, shit. And I go, and I look at him and I, I go, can I see your switch? And he goes, yeah. And I grab it and I click the Joy-Con <laughs> and I slide it off. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, just get a new Joy-Con. And he's like, yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> I don't think I, there, I, in some moment. I just don't think. I don't know if he like plays it in in portable mode okay. all the time. I don't think. I, I think there was a moment where he didn't think it through that he can buy one that he could just replace the controller. Oh, he thought I it think, was one system to put I, together. I, I, like I mean, a, like I, a Game I'm Boy. sure he knew it in his like in, deep down. He knew that that was something he could do, but even myself, because I play the Switch a lot in handheld mode, you know, I I just wonder if he wasn't thinking that through, you know, because he came in and he was asking me like you like someone would ask us to repair a a Game Boy or a DS, you know, can you fix sure. the shoulder button? I'm like, just you can you can just replace the controller. Yeah, and they've already come down in price. It looks like the single ones. You can get for like thirty to forty. It's come down. To, yeah, forty's and, right. Forty was uh, average, and and probably used. You can probably get a pair now. Two people are probably selling used ones for whatever. And it looks like you can get. Oh, I can get sixty dollars the best offer for for the neon uh, green and pink. Huh. So so I think they're more reasonable now than people. I know people are like, oh my god, there's so much money. Yeah, there's a lot of things in these little guys. It's not just a D pad and a couple buttons. Right. I'm still pissed. There's not a proper D pad, Nintendo. Put out something with a D-pad on it. Damn it. That's why one prediction hasn't come through yet about the, the retro-style Joy-Cons. Give me a proper D-pad. I couldn't play Sly Spy with just the four buttons. It made it impossible to do that. I'm sure they'll get there. Mm. I'm sure you can buy one, too, though. It already has that. So, Ian, speaking of D-pads and old devices that might be obsolete, you have another Kickstarter. Kickstarter number two that we're talking about here. It's the modern mallard. So what is the modern mallard? Well, Ian, the modern mallard is on Kickstarter. It's a simple kit for the NES video game 
duck hunt that makes it compatible with modern TVs. So, okay, we all know that, we, we should know by now, that modern TVs, LEDs, LCDs, uh, you can't use light guns, right? There's different refresh rate. Sometimes they have weird glass on the top of it. You, you can't refract, re- reflect the light back properly to register hits where you're pointing it. And I know we all love playing light gun games. I mean, I actually do. I do. I love light gun games. I love light gun games. That, that to me, was a huge selling point on the NES when it came back. Like, well, Atari doesn't have that going on. Right. Which is kind of surprising because all the Pong systems in the 70s had, and Atari sort of skipped past that. Yeah. Kind of, kind of weird when you think about that. It is. Kaliko didn't do that, too. You think Kaliko would have done that. But anyway, that aside... Yeah, Clego should have done that since they had the freaking shooting gallery game. Uh, yeah, I was going to say they the carnival. They had standalone ones. Yeah. Anyway, so this is a solution to play Duck Hunt on your modern TV. It's a board that, if I have this correct, it's a board that you pop it into your your Duck Hunt game. So you open up your Duck Hunt cartridge. This is two parts. So, Modern Mallet comes with two parts. One is a board. You open up your Duck Hunt cartridge. You take your original board, and you slide it into this pass-through, basically. And it runs into another board. And you close your cartridge back up. I guess there's enough room inside the Duck Hunt cart you can do There that. is. They show a picture of it. It fits just fine. And that is essentially its, its patch code in that second board. And it pa- it's patch code that I'm not even going to pretend to know what it does, but it's patch code that helps the it helps the other part of the kit, which is a modification for your light gun for your zapper. For your zapper doesn't require any soldering or anything like that. You open it up, you put it in the light gun. It's a little blue lo- elongated little board. Yep, and it fits in there with no modification or anything. It's a plug-in for I guess what's already existing there. You take it out and throw that thing in. Yep, and you just strip the wires it shows and you pop them in and that's that so it looks all very easy to do um you get that going and boom it lets you play duck hunt which to me is a technological marvel it is it's 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 cool i mean there's there's no two ways around that it's really cool that someone figured out how to do this um it's 129 dollars okay and it only works for Duck Hunt. Or Super Mario slash Duck Hunt. Well, yeah, or Super Mario slash Duck Hunt. It works for all three modes on the game. Um, so it does. It works for one duck, two duck, and uh, the clay pigeons. Sure. Um, easy, easy. Anyone can do it. All you need is a screwdriver. Right. So no soldering, which is always great, because I still haven't figured out how to solder, and it's been 10 years. So, I mean, it's it's a party trick, and it's a really cool party trick. It's expensive, and it's limited, it doesn't look like it's doing super well on its Kickstarter. It's got it's got uh, 15 days to go as of today. 23 backers. 23 backers. It needs 125000 Now, $125,000 goal. I, 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 I'm not sure if that's the minimum print run for their supplier, I guess, to, do, to run these boards. That, to me, seems really high, but I don't know how this works, where it comes from. Who they got to do it? I don't know. No, yeah. I don't know either. Uh, and that's why the cost is probably obviously very high, right? Uh, because of that. So it's one hundred twenty nine dollars to get the game patch board, the zapper board, 
And oh, they gave you a, a game cartridge screwdriver. Those are cents, pennies. <laughs> nice. What sucks though is, so now that they have from, I mean, reading between the lines. Now that I've read through this, now that they have this done, it seems like to me it would follow that they could now go through. Now that they've made this like development environment, they could go through and they could do this patch code for other light gun games. Well, they have the most important they done. They, they modified the zapper, and right, and they would not need to necessarily for future ones that they do include this light gun the the light gun portion of the kit but unfortunately they're going to need a different board for each individual game right and i'm sure the board is probably much more expensive than the light gun one it, it's awesome it's yes. just i i don't I, I i could not even begin to say that they're overcharging or charging too much because this could be what it costs and this is really cool and i love the idea but it's it's it doesn't seem financially feasible no i can't even i'm not even going to pretend to think okay what would i be in to this for eighty dollars, maybe with with the caveat that I can get other cheaper board passers for for the other whatever fourteen light gun games right. or so, maybe. But for one hundred twenty nine dollars, with no promise that another one of these games will ever be boards will be produced for another game, that's a lot of money. And there's therein lies the problem. They're not going to make more boards if this can't fly and. The modern mallet can't fly. fly. It's getting shot down. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. It, it's a bummer. I'd love to play wild. No. I'd love to play Wild Gunman on my TV <laughs> or Hogan's Alley. Wild Gunman's probably probably my favorite. But hell, can't good game of Baby Boober. Baby <laughs> Boober is gonna be great. <laughs> can you make Chiller, Chiller. not suck? <laughs> no, Chiller's always gonna suck. suck. Can, can you make? Oh. If you did this for Chiller or Baby Boomer, make it so that you can have two light guns, guns. Uh, be able to hit the same time. Right. That would be. That's what I was saying. Like, you know, if they're you patch- can actually make the game functional. That's what I'm mode. saying. Like, if you can patch, if they're doing patch code. Anyways. All right, I'm in. 130 bucks for Chiller slash Baby <laughs> Boomer, Boomer mod. <laughs> Do it. So, so it's a, it's a shame though because the, the, I don't know what we're giving it marketing now, but we're, we're not. We can give you we can give you press. We can we help with like with like like with like NES uh, Super Russian Roulette. We've helped with that. I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure we can help with this to get this going any any better that we're, you know then we're not going to get to the $125,000 goal. I, I like this. You it's know. very cool. I can't. No, there's a lot of time that goes into this. Yeah. And you know, maybe it's manufacturer thing. They can't find someone a better manufacturer. I don't know. To, to bring the cost down, the cost is just nuts. And for this amount of let's do some pat math here. How much is this each? It's 129. Yeah. So we got to divide 125,000 by 129. Okay. 125,000 divided by 129. They got to sell uh, 968 of them. When you look at it that way, it's not a huge amount. No. Right? That doesn't actually seem that crazy. We, we do that, but it's the price. Right. I'm not telling you how to run your Kickstarter. It's a little too late. But maybe if you went half the price... Maybe you would have hit it yeah, but, easier and I sold mean, a lot more to make up the cost. Saying, you know what I mean? Saying half the price, no, I, I don't. You don't I, think I, so? I don't, so? I, don't, I don't think you can do sixty dollars. I wouldn't done it sixty five. You wouldn't. Well, no, I mean, sure. I, I actually, I probably would have at half the price, but I'm just saying that's probably not financially feasible for the project. But what if you sold ten times the amount? 
or you hit the well, now it's not feasible because you're not going to hit it. I don't know that you would have that. I mean, that's that's the thing. This is so to me. This is to, to me this cost structure is so whacked out. It's just so it, it's such a specific thing that you know we talked about the other another when we talked about the other um, Kickstarter earlier. That's so cheap, and the for twelve dollars and the print run is so cheap. I mean, it, yeah. it's just it's injection molding. Sure, yeah, there's easy. a price there, but the price you, is the, you done get, it. You did, the price you, is getting the mold. It, it's done. Once you get the mold done, the price is finished forever. This is a lot more complex. So, sure. I anyways, uh, maybe it's going to be handmade because it's a small amount. This isn't like running off an assembly line easily. Very cool project. Very neat idea. I, I, I mean, now that we know this can be done, it'll be interesting to see this technology and see what see where it goes yeah. and what it's used this is, for. This is the first step. Yep. We figure out the zapper. Now we got to figure out something to patch into the NES that it works in every Zapper game. Like, is there? Can you possibly do that? I, it, it, no. Well, who knows? But the or way they the, the way they've described it here is We're this all. is very specific patch code for Duck Hunt. So, you know, it has to be done for each game as of right now. Okay. Well, it, it's cool. The ingenuity is there. It's just that the market's not there. It's like Shark Tank. It's like, how much are you selling this for? Oh, okay. No one's buying that for that much. It has to be like twenty dollars. Sure. He's got to be a target for nineteen ninety nine for people to like. That's that probably honestly that probably be the cost where you could sell ten thousand of them, twenty dollars. But again, oh, what, I mean, sure, but yeah. that's just you can't you can't just do it. All right. Speaking of Kickstarters, Ian, mm. let's talk a little bitmap books. We brought them up a couple times in the, in the podcast. They've done a handful of not guidebooks, visual compendiums. Ah, uh, yes, they do that pretty stuff. It's very pretty. Um, you know, we're talking full splash page layouts with with a more minimal style of writing. That's it, really it, they're, it's not really like a certain guidebook. They're more like a, a celebration of of like uh, the style of the games, mm-hmm. and they have interviews and how the console was put together. And they've done uh, Commodore sixty four, uh, the Amiga, ZX Spectrum, the NES Famicom, which got into a little bit of Nintendo trouble. Uh, problems with the big end but they, they figured out nintendo went a little easy on them why am and, i so hot for that bookmark and this and the super nintendo slash super family one so they, they put out about two of the books of these a year roughly um, so this is the sega master system visual companion it's already hit its kickstarter with like only two days and there's 1500 backers i probably will pick this up and and this is why i, I like the sega master system and um for the master system um a, a guidebook would be nice but I don't know if it's necessary, especially in the U.S. when we had 114 games. And there actually is a, a someone put, did a match system guidebook for the 114 games uh, years back. I don't know if it got the best reviews. I'm not. I, I can't throw a fellow author on the bus like that. But I think people weren't entirely impressed with it when it came out. So there's always room for another one. I'm not saying it's going to happen with me. Mm. But for this though, this looks looks nice. It's, and it's officially licensed. This is an officially licensed Sega product. So that's cool. It's also dangerous, and I'll get into why though. Uh, so Sega uh, especially licensed this which means that you can have the logo they, they're having 3D glasses included um, that are just they're not the you know same as some bulky plastic 3D glasses but they're you know paper 3D glasses because some of the pages will be in 3D so you can get a pop up look to sort of simulate in a way the 3D Master System games but there's also there's also the cool bookmark which sort of matches the top of the, the, the that burgundy uh, love, yeah. plaid layout which is cute now at the time was asked for probably for marketing uh, you know in terms of you know the, the, the top of the labels so that's the bookmark so it's adorable it's adorable 
right? Yeah. This is going to cost you uh, for hardback uh, 30, 30 euros. Pat math is, what is that, $45? I was going to say 50. So, Pat math. So, you know, there's layouts. It's not, they even said that it's, the, 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 here's the problem with it being officially licensed. There's two problems with this. Now, unfortunately, this could create a president. I'm not saying this is going to happen. It could, though, where authors might say, well, we need to get the go-ahead on these books, even though there's fair use that exists. That's what's scary to me, that if, especially if Sega officially licensed this, or they went to them to get the official license. If someone wants to do a Sega book, will this give Sega ammo to say, well, you need a license with us, when they really wouldn't have to if it's truly fair use? Sure. That bothers me on, on a s- small level. Of course, with Bitbound Books, getting the official license, people are more, more likely to buy it, though. So I understand that. It also gives them more access to whatever Sega wants to give them for like research materials or whatever else. So that, to me, is a little scary. I'm not saying that I'm thinking paranoid because I'm, I'm working in this world, obviously. Yeah. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing is that because of that as well, they are not putting all of the games in here, or all the pop ones. They're going to be Sega first-party ones mainly. So that's a shame. Yeah, you know, they that's they a said, bummer. They say they're trying to get other licenses. The good news is that in the U.S. at least, 90% of the games were Sega games. Sure. There's only what? There's like Parker Brothers and Acclaim, I think, were the other. Uh, Activision. Activision. Well, Activision uh, has those black. Yes, the... I'm looking at Bomber Raid right now. Yep. Um, so we're not talking a huge amount of games, but Cyborg there are games. Hunter. But there's a lot of games in Europe and in South America that were not Sega first party games. Yeah. So if you're going to put out a game celebrating the entire, you know, history of the math system, you can you have to include Japan, obviously, because it did better everywhere else in the world except in North America. Yeah. Everywhere else in the world. So that to me is a shame, and I hope they can get around that some way or the other. So, but but, but being that it's officially licensed with Sega, now you throw a monkey wrench in there. Now Sega's probably like, we don't want these other games unless you get permission as well, or maybe Sega doesn't want a certain game. I'm not saying this doesn't happen, but these are the hypotheticals now when you're an officially licensed product. Right. You're, you're now at the beck and call of the licensee, or the licensor, I should say. So that to me is the danger there, but it's still a cute looking book. Either way. Yeah, no, it's. Really Am I overthinking pretty. that, or you get my point? No, I get your point. Okay. I know, I get it. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll probably pick this up. Uh, there's there's, there's their safari hunt, speaking of duck hunt. It looks adorable. Shoot a rabbit. Kind of bothers me. And it will go over, you know, how it was in Japan as well, because the cartridges were different in Japan than they were here. They were taller. Yep. Uh, as well. Maybe the Google 13 game that came out in Japan. Yeah. So I have somewhere. If I can freaking find it, somewhere around here. Is it, is it is on the floor? I think it's in that box. Okay. <laughs> you can honestly see it on the floor. The game room's a lot better than what it was week by week. You can attest to that. It's getting there. It's getting this there. This is the start of my year. It is. He's yeah. hitting his stride. I don't remember what I was doing in January, February, even part of March. I'm a lot better now. He's taking down his Christmas tree. I'm <laughs> Christmas tree. Uh, there's articles about the hardware in, in here, um, arcade conversions. Yeah. Like I said, it's a different, it's a different type of book versus a certain NES guidebook, but there's a, there's room for both of these in the market. The packaging of the accessories is a cool little little bonus. I love how that system looked in Japan. I loved how it looked the gray. Oh color. yeah, it's so awesome. much better. Not that not that ours was bad, but what are you looking for? I thought you had one up here, a gray one. Yeah. Or the at the old. Uh, yeah, that's somewhere. Uh, yes, I do have a a uh, Mark III. Yeah. Uh, in a box, got the swap meet. Yeah, it used to I be, do have one. It used to be behind us forever and ever. It used to be in one of those. Yes, I gotta find it. I'd, I'd like to get the, the original uh, uh, one thousand, but those go for those are spendy. Oh, those are real expensive. They go for, they go spendy just from yeah. collectors probably. Yeah, want to get those. And those games are like more primitive, obviously, 
but um, it's it's still still a cool part of history. It's real cool. Yeah. Um, and there's box art and things like that. All right. So, oh, Pat Myth, what was this? What was uh, what was it? Thirty euros. Thirty euros. The dollars is. Oh, it's only thirty-five dollars. So wow, the the dollar really caught up. Really? Holy yes. shit! It used to be like w- almost one and a half or yeah. one point three even. Wow. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna. All right. Okay. Let's, let's do it. Okay. And you know, if we did a visual companion, Ian, what, what would you do? The Neo Geo Pocket Color visual companion. Ooh. Let's I see. mean, you can do that. You can sell twenty of them, but you could do that. I mean, some of that stuff looks real nice. I do Mahjong games. You do the Mahjong Visual Compendium? Mm-hmm. All right, then. Oh, you also get uh, some postcards for some Japanese artwork, which was uh, 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 better than the Western artwork by a factor of, I don't know, 80. Uh, the artwork was terrible here. Oh, it was it's, real, real bad. It's probably an argument you can have if the Master System argument, uh, sorry, Master System U.S. art was better or worse than the TurboGrafx artwork. You really have to, like, scratch your head there and be like, okay, one's cuter and cartoony, but still awful. But... You know what? Master System's better. It's still the artwork on... The artwork... See, the artwork has a style, at least, on the Master System. We're like, okay, it's kind of kitschy a little bit and cheap. On the Turbo Graphics, it's like a six... It's like a, a good drawing for a fourth grader. So, like, they tried... You know, like, they tried to make it nice. I don't know. They're both real, real bad, dude. I'm going Master System as... I'm sorry. There's, there's at least some humor to, like, the, the wrestler holding the guy's head. Like... Yeah, but it doesn't convey anything about the game. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying from the aesthetic stylings and what's the merit of the actual art but it, but i mean sure sure merit but you know the fucking box for enduro bike isn't selling anything it's, it's, a, it's a wheel i mean it's just a <laughs> motorcycle i mean yeah all right then they have a bunch of wow i didn't realize how many um stretch goals a bitmap books does i gotta i gotta copy off of this 16 extra pages added for every like fifteen thousand slipcase at one hundred fifty thousand. uh uh, euros. Should I do a slipcase? Sure. Or oh, is this pounds, not euros? Wait a minute. This is pounds? What's the symbol here? Maybe, maybe I'm wrong here. Euro is the... This is a hook. The... Is it, is it, uh... That's pounds. Oh, I'm, I'm totally... I'm, I'm an idiot. This is part of Pat Math uh, danger. This is pounds. 30 that, pounds. That pounds. So the pounds is worth more than a euro. I know that. Yes. That's why they never switch it. It's not that much. It's only 20%. It's $40. Okay. That's, okay. It's pretty good. We caught up there, too. It used to be like one and a half. Yeah. Good old American dollar for 4th of July. All right. That's all we're going to say about this because Ian is, doesn't really want to say anything, really. Not, I mean, not about that one, no. It's just a nice book. Ian, how Sir. do you access the uh, CU Podcast Patreon, which you have to... Patreon.com slash CU Podcast. All right. He's got it. We had our, uh, our questions uh, there. For a dollar, you can vote on... The Patreon poll topic. The winner. Here's the runner-ups. Retro game loot craze. Can they work? They had about 26%. Have you ever had a person be nasty online only to be nice in person? 30%. Oh, boy, oh, boy, did I want that one to win. It's a good one. Um, maybe next time. And then the winner with 44%. The runaway hit. With big game collections, what is a reasonable self-expectation for playing slash completing those games? Take it away, Ian. So that question... I think started off sort of as uh, I think it was posed to us a while back as uh, you know did Pat you know does Pat have any intention of beating all of his Nintendo games and that's a real that's a real quick no that's a real fast no 
Uh, I mean, that's not that's not me, you know, bagging on Pat. Uh, that that's I mean, no, no well, one no one buys. I completed Schiller. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, no no one buys every single NES game and says, "Yeah, I'm going to beat all these," because the, you know a lot of them are just shit. No one buys every game for any system thinking they're going to beat all. Of them. Right, exactly. Uh, at some point, as much as and even I say I'm buying these games to play them, and I do. No one is no one is going to beat every game they buy. So you know the question I guess then is to us: What is our reasonable self expectations for playing and completing the games Lowered that we buy? What do we you know what kind of what kind of expectation do we put on ourselves for this? So for for myself, it it's it's very much um, it's very much I I buy the games that I want to play. But I don't force myself to play anything through all the way to the end. I, I play it for as long as I, I have fun with it. Because at, at this point, my, my time to play games and my enjoyment of games is... I, ha- I don't have as much time to play. So if I have to force myself to play something, then I'm not having fun with it anymore. I'm, I'm just going to enjoy the time I have with games. So if I have to b- bounce around, if I want to play different things... That's what I'm going to do. I don't finish a ton of games, or when I do, I don't finish them to the point of 100% completion. Um, I don't buy anything full price that I, I think that I'm only going to enjoy somewhat or I'm, I'm, I'm not certain on. Uh, I will buy a lot of games on sale or for very cheap. Um, if I, I'll allow myself to buy those knowing that I may not get to them for a while. I still sure. have to want to buy them. I still have to want to play them. I'm I'm not going to go and buy a game just to buy it. Like I still buy lots of old Game Boy Black and White games. I still buy lots of PC Engine games. Those are the systems I still collect for. I'm not going to go out and buy a game for those systems that I don't want. However, if I find a game that I'm on the fence about and it's cheap enough, I'll buy it knowing I might get to it. I'm not going to pay $80 for a shooter right then and there if I know I'm not going to play it, you know for another couple of months. I'm not spending money on something unless I'm going to go home and play it almost immediately. Sure. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if I'm going to drop the big money on a game, it's because I'm going to go play it then. I, it's not, you know, something that's going to go on my shelf. So you, you, your current mode is, at the moment, this is what I want, versus maybe I'll play it a month from now or get to it eventually yeah this is where you are with your space because i know you've sold out most of your games so uh, So space is an issue space is an issue um so you're trading it more almost like a like a dvd rental or vhs i want it now i want to play it now experience it now right yeah yeah base so i mean that's that's my thing it's it's not a it's not a matter of completing the games but i'm i'm getting a lot better at only buying stuff if i know i'm gonna play it immediately when i buy it even if it's for systems i collect for so like I said, PC Engine and Game Boy, it's the same way. Am I going to go home and actually play this within the next week or two? And if not, then it, it waits. Well, obviously, I, I, I have a different yeah. mindset when it comes to that. Um, <laughs> but that's only natural being game. You just, it used to be I, every NES game. I, this is when I had under 200 games, though, of course. We're sure. talking 2003, 2004, where I go to, you know, English town and find 40 NES games for $20, and that's what happened. Yeah. I would play each one at least for like five minutes. Oh, this is what the game is like. Mm-hmm. Learn about the game. Obviously, then it gets harder because your lifestyle changes. You know, mm-hmm. you don't, you have less time to play the games. You know, you're buying them such at a larger clip that you can't keep up. And then when you start adding in different systems, 
you know, I still want to play, uh, I haven't played Truxton yet. Mark from Classic Gamer is going to hate me. I got to the swap meet like four years ago, five years ago. One of the best, one of the good last finds up at the swap meet for like, oh, a quality game that's worth something like, that you get for like $2. That's like one of the last ones I got. Of course, it has to be freaking Genesis. Never really happened me with NES that much anyway. <laughs> Always bothered me. That's a great game. Yeah, but you see what I mean though is that you're at a point where you just can't keep up and it gets overwhelming. It just depends what type of person you are. If you're a dirty shelf collector, playing the game isn't the priority at the time. You think in theory that you'd like to at least sit down one day and be like, oh, I'm going to play uh, Columns for Master System, even though you can play it on the Genesis. You know. Right. Sure. But do are you really going to? I mean, that's why I'm really going to look into paring down you know, my Super versus Genesis collection because I have, you have repeat games, for example. And it's like, well... Some are bought on one than the other, and you don't really need... But both. odds are you're never going to play both. You might yeah, play no, one. Yeah, no, exactly. That, that's what I'm do saying. I you need don't, need, all, don't need both of them. Do I need all the NHL games on both systems? Yes. There was, some didn't come out in the Genesis. NHL 97 didn't come out in the Genesis or 96, right? They stopped by then. 97, I think. Nope, 98. 97's on the Genesis. It, it is. Okay, yeah, 98. 98's one hard one finds the last one, I think, right? Yeah. So that's the whole point, though. It's like, I got to get to that point where at least... I have an unreasonable amount of video games. I can say that with confidence, Ian. I can I, even I though can it's agree a, with you. Even though it's part of my career, my business, it absolutely is. And it's marathons, charity events, certain certain guidebooks. And, you know, it's a hobby. But even I can say I will never play even 40% of these games, right. probably. So, but you shouldn't feel ashamed if that's the case because just because – Let's put it this way, and this is what gets gets my goat a little bit about, well, you're just a shelf collector. Okay. So me owning that copy of, uh, pick out any of those Genesis games on there. So me owning that copy of uh, Batman Returns and the fact that I may never play that game, that's not me. I haven't taken that copy away from someone else because odds are that, that copy would not be played by someone else anyway. So I always go back to that too. There, there's a limited amount of people that are going to play these games, each individual one, on the original hardware and software. So that's sort of a sort of a a, a weird straw man as well. That that's sort of related to the question. So my expectation is I'll play these games if I want to, but if I don't, you shouldn't harass me for it or say I'm a dirty person. You're dirty. I have played my NWC cards. Ian has too. Yes, indeedy. So that those I'm not am I a shelf collector? Then I'm a vault collector. A vault collector. I'm a vault. The, the games are in a vault. That's that's the new term. I'm a vault collector. Damn it. Um. All right. Thanks for the question. Patreon.com/slash/cu podcast. Check it out. We have the Discord. Plus, Ian writes in theory every week. Just about I gotta, today. I got to get one today. He should have one out, or I will harangue him. Yep, should have one out today. All right, uh, Q and A time on the CU podcast. This question is from arguably our most prolific Q and Aer, who I finally met in person. Dad ass is my boss, Chris. A real question, Smith. Yeah, yeah, and 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 not to say I'm going to discourage you from submitting questions with the CU podcast topics uh, Twitter hashtag. We get some. There, there was a run at one point where we we didn't get a lot of quality questions we'll just say <laughs> but we get we get some good ones like more consistently now the question is does the current passion of video game preservationists and archivists suggest that games are the most well-preserved art form of our time and going forward does this level of preservation set a solid example for other forms of art film music etc to follow what do you think ian 
I I don't know that they are the most well-preserved art form of our time, but I do agree that video game preservationists and the archivists, um, especially the ones that we have out there right now doing doing the work that they're doing, Frank, Steve Lynn, uh, people like that, Frank Cifaldi, Steve Lynn. Video Game History Museum. Video Game History Museum. See the play. Um, you know, the people who are... Um, you know, gathering all this info, get making sure it's it's stored. Large collectors, you can put them in there yep. too. They're making sure they're stored and Yeah. All 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 of these people are doing a, a fantastic job of making sure this stuff doesn't disappear. And I I think I think that you know the the, the passion that these people exhibit and the reason why it's it's so prominent is I think it's because they and just preservation of games in general is 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 something that's talked about so much right now is because i I think people realized they had to step in and do something about it at just the right time, sure before there are still things from video games past that we may never know the full answers of but we we get this sort of stuff. People started collecting this data and and you know marking it down in the video game history books, right as little things were just starting to kind of float away into the past. You get what I'm saying? Like just as we were getting to that point where we we're starting to lose some of the history of games, people were like, "Okay, we can't lose this." You know, we got we have to hold on to this. Basically, I think it happened just in time, and it was brought up to the forefront, and now people are very much into making sure that all of this is collected and stored. Um, so I think that's why it's so uh, it's such a prominent thing that people notice. It, most well preserved, maybe not, but I do think the well. How do you define it? What does that mean? I don't know. There's a, there's probably on every console we probably have a working library of at least one example of each game in every single console. I don't think we're there yet. You don't think we have that? No. For every major video game console, we don't have at least one person with one working copy of each game. What uh, console do you think we're deficient on having a working example? Of? I oh, I, I thought you meant games, like in general. There's plenty of PC games and things like that that there's just no examples of. Piece, uh, if we're talking consoles, maybe. If we're talking PC you're talking, stuff. you're talking a random IBM DOS game made in Minnesota in 1986? Is yeah. that what you're referring to? Yeah, if you want to get that far, but then how far removed are you from just saying that's someone one-off homebrew that someone just made in their house? You know, I, I, I understand. I'm not, I understand I'm, not, what you're I'm, I'm not. I'm not arguing it. I'm just saying that. I, I, but but then you're getting to a philosophical conversation, saying is every piece of music preserved because someone in Wyoming made a little ditty that must have been good, but five people heard it. Oh, all you, I'm you saying is, all I'm saying is, I. I, I I'm just saying I don't know if it's the most well-preserved art form of our time. I'm saying yeah, I'm saying that's even hard to even structure or frame that oh, question. Oh, yeah. That's what I mean. No, I, I agree. But I'm talking about for every major console release, we we know every game that came out. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, from from NES and on we, forward. And we have questions yeah. about some, like Steam events or... Did, 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 was this Neo Geo game really a U.S. version or was it just European? Like we have oh, those. I'm, I'm referring to stuff like release dates and things oh, like okay. that. Exactly. That's what you mean. Yeah. You're talking exactly. about. You're talking about. The, the no, I'm, I'm talking peripheral. about preservation in terms of history and all of it. Okay. That that sort of stuff that we started to lose 
you know, like the, you know, the, you know, the exact release date of Super Mario Brothers is something that's always. Yes, uh, it's uh, or uh, within a week or two. Yeah, that, but yeah. that's always a great example. And, you know, I think it was re- when people started to realize, okay, we don't exactly know this sort of stuff. That's when preservation sort of kicked into high gear. That's what I mean. Like, we just started to lose that sort of info because it was never really marked or kept down. Sure. So what I'm saying is it kicked in just in time. Um, I think going forward, I think people who are into these sorts of hobbies now realize that other people aren't going to do this for you. You have to be the people who write down what's happening in your hobbies. You have to archive the information yourself because this has become... I, I, I find it very interesting in games. It it really is a the community is doing a lot of work towards the um, preservation of, yes. of games more so than other because the companies haven't given a shit. Right. I, the the one thing I'll say we're definitely not video games is by I I don't want to say by far not close to being the most thorough, just because when you look at the major companies, um, they, for example, like games that are in semi development or prototypes. Game companies don't give it, haven't given shit about that. They looked at it as just like, well, it's, it's just, who cares? It's like a toy. We're just getting rid of it. Right. So these are found at garage sales. These are found in people's collections. Some are still not dumped. Some games are still not found. Um, you know, games that you should at least have a, a, some semblance of what the game looks like besides, you know, random ass, um, random ass screenshots. Right. Uh, the, the, the Virtual Boy Fire, uh, excuse me, Virtual Boy New Japan for Wrestling game. Yeah. I don't think that ROM's dumped. I don't think so. And people are like, well, was that sold? And that's and that's from like that's a major system. It was a, the biggest Japanese wrestling organization. Why is why do we not have that somewhere? Is that is, two people have that somewhere? Is just uh, Liger have a copy he was given? He did he toss it out? You know, like. <laughs> I, but these are real questions. But when, when in other industries though, we look at like like music or movies. In terms of like, yeah, stuff gets lost in fires. Like we've lost tons of movies. Don't get me wrong. We lost half, was it half the movies from below before 1940 are gone yep. forever. That's a fucking tragedy. But when you look at like the, the people didn't care at the time, but also the film was flammable, but it's not like they went out and actively threw it out. There was, a, there's been massive fires on studios every decade. Like there's like all the cutscenes from Highlander that, that were lost in a fire. That movie's only 30 years old. And the, there's no we will never see those scenes right you know for example but they've tried to preserve that stuff at least like they've actively tried to preserve studios wouldn't just toss out their old footage necessarily for the doctor who like bbc stuff they they taped over they didn't think people cared but that's the exception at least in my my knowledge when it comes to music though they have all those fucking lost recordings the major studios would, would hold on to all that shit right they have shit coming out. I mean, Tupac dead 30 years and they're going to be putting out his recording still. So I think it's the nature of what's the industry doing this. And I hate to say it. Maybe they thought that we can make money off of these Beatles, you know, little one-off recordings. And they eventually all come out. They, they sing for like a minute and a half and throw something. Oh, we'll put that out. We'll make money off of that. Yeah. For some reason, uh, the video game industry never saw that. They never thought, well, maybe people 30 years now want to hear about this game we, were, we had developed, and maybe there's like a playable level. They never, I guess, they never envisioned that sure. as an idea. For them, maybe it's like a, it's like having a, a half put together GI Joe figure. No one's going to want it. Well, and you know? it, you know, it, 
it's just the perception of video games and the perception of the industry and what they mean to people and yeah. what they are, you know. And, and, and it's and it's the it's the the latest and last form of art and entertainment you could say that we've come across sure. in our society. You know, it might be the final frontier. I can't picture another medium at this point. You know, we'll get to the hologram stuff I was talking about. Lenticular games. I don't know. Lenticular okay. games. You have to like wave your head back and forth to play it that way. I don't fucking know what I'm talking about. What was, what was I going to say? I don't know. So I still don't know who made fucking X-Men on the NES. I still don't know what developer that is. Ian asks. What? From Subdaro. Is this the, the pet? Highlights. self filating uh, <laughs> Highlights, of lowlights of the last 10 years of the punk character. I still crack up at the anticipation video. That was a fun video. That was a fun. Thanks one. for doing that with me. Yeah, that thanks one, for being in some of these episodes. That one was that one was good that because was fun. because that was mostly ad lib when we were playing that game. Oh, the game part of it was just ad lib. Yeah, that was like a let's play, really. Yep, that was I a semi let's play. I do not recall any of the actual playing of that being scripted. I think we had a few lines, maybe, but for the most part, we just free balled it. Yeah, I think like I the think intro I, lines describing. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. The NES Punk character has been around for 10 years. I, I Number of episodes, is it 50 to 60? Jesus, something really? Like that. Why, you think it's be less than that? No, well, I would have probably guessed like... I would have guessed well, close to 30. 50. I would have I, I guessed like 45. I've never kept a, kept a count. If you want to... You, now, do you count the one-offs like the Pat the NES Punk reacts to NES Classic Edition and stuff like that? I've done like a few of those with the with the... But with the uh, with the Super Nintendo being announced, things like that, um, I don't know what I got to run through. I forget episodes I did, but I guess uh, do you have any highlights for Lilith? And you've watched all of them, I know. <laughs> um, I liked the uh, the um, the one. So that wait, one where he no, plays the game. No, the first the one. I the ones <laughs> no the ones that I'm in uh, are are not ones that I generally like, but the one with Frank where he finds they bleed together. The one where he finds the NWC in the box. The Nintendo World Championships. Okay. That's well, just... You have a cameo in there. Yeah, okay. That one. Um, it's Did... funny to watch uh, Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. beat the shit out of me. Recording that was a fucking nightmare. I don't recall that being awful to record that one. I just didn't like falling. I, I, I was, oh, we had to fall to the ground. Pretend when he was hitting the ground. I, I was, I, I, I was selling. I, I, I wasn't selling those falls. Those were actual falls. I was taking those falls to. I was trying to make them look as real as possible by uh, just throwing myself okay. on the ground. I might have to go through every single one. Baseball stars. The the, the highlight was nothing because there was no light. Get right. It? <laughs> Whew, Three Stooges was, was one of my worst videos, and where I almost quit. Uh, the black box games were goofy, but they were easy. Top secret episode was working with with the great Allison, who really honestly need me in the balls for the take we yeah. used. Yeah, yeah. When I went down, that was a real not like full on, but just enough to. There's 100 percent no. Yeah, I mean you can, you can you can see it. Yeah, you can see it in your face. Yeah. Um, the power pad games, me dancing, was funny too. It's a mania. At that point, I kind of realized this is what the character is. Ultimate stuntman, nothing really happened there of use. Action 52 was fun to go through all 50 games and actually do it. Russian attack, almost getting knifed in the face by Rob, for real. Uh, your Treasure Pirates episode was good. Yes. You like that one? Yeah. So that was weirdly ad-libbed halfway, and it was... Whatever that, the fuck that game is called. Skull and Crossbones. Skull and Crossbones, that's it. Treasure Pirates. But, but yeah, going back to the, the Russian attack one was fun to film. I filmed it with my cousin. 
who was actually uh, yelled tooth the the bold the bold. Okay, we forgot that. But when did, was, you forgot it, and yeah. I remembered it. I know you don't watch my videos. But when, when he swung the rod with the knife, we had the knife like taped to his hands, a steak knife. Uh-huh. It got close at one point because I wasn't ready. It went like because he was swinging it on a fishing line, and it went like whew, it got close. <laughs> Might have been done right then. Um, Chiller was funny because it was I think it was the first review I did here. Um, then I did last, but then it was out of order because I did two reviews here but the timeline in the, in the Pathian's Punch universe, yeah. cinematic universe was back in Jersey still right so I still had to do Panic Restaurant and, yeah and I, I remember I re- okay I, yeah I remember because the Panic that. Restaurant built into the M82 video and the M82 video and my, I have the contract tracks on my three DVDs that go over some of the stuff the M82 I was so I would say borderline manic if not manic I had so much energy that I not only could schedule moving across the fucking country and doing all that and hiring people to move my car and pack my stuff and to take all this stuff. In the middle of all that, that would be enough for most people. I'm going to film like two Path to the Punk episodes the last six weeks I'm there. Panic Restaurant and then MA2 for the win. I literally filmed that I think it was three days before I, I literally got on a plane and moved out here. And that was like a six hour shoot. It was hot as balls. You can see the sweat on my face. We had to put the AC on in between the takes. It was that dreadfully humid it was awful Ooh. it was atrocious but the funny thing the funny thing about that is that in the in the in the mc the pcu the pat cinematic universe that <laughs> video takes that video takes place as the first one in san diego but it wasn't so that was interesting um the, the pcu the pcu which was a movie which was a great movie with jerry piven super dodgeball was funny because i actually did bobby yep, dodgeball i do remember that um, i remember so, feeling weird recording that you did require you, you with my zi8 little kodak yep. pocket camcorder before yep. the smartphones you were embarrassed by that people were didn't care that was before people cared about youtube something like that coltron 601 ian's first appearance on on the uh, on the channel yeah you, you, you regret that you should have not done that you did great though <laughs> wow great. that was after the dodgeball in the yeah in the, in the cinematic the PCU it was the Pat Cinematic Universe, it was that was we 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 I edited that December, two thousand ten. Oh my god! And then I had such fuck boundless energy that I managed to then write, shoot, and edit the first Christmas video, the Turkish, all within six days. I did that and put that out. I remember that, and it only came out a day after Christmas. It was only like, or or, or right, it was like right after Christmas, and that started the tradition of me ha- never having Christmas I mean, video done on time. time. Yeah, because uh, the casino one with AJ was fun. That was AJ's first appearance on the channel. Uh, then we get to, of course, the the Alicia Dragoon video. Yep. Which, looking back, would I have done that? I would. I would still have done that. I think mm. I would have done it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything wrong. I don't. I think there's nothing to be ashamed of with that video. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> Ian disagrees. <laughs> what was wrong with that video? <laughs> Just not your best moment. <laughs> no, it's all getting spanked by dominatrix. <laughs> Tone was fine. Uh, she she was a peach. I actually kept in touch with her about a year afterwards. I think I lost touch with her. Awesome person. I said she was really really nice. Very nice. Nice person. Nice person in the world. Um. The, the family game funnest with james just i'm just running through so mr gimmick if for, for like pure review people say that's a good one yeah i edited that in 24 Actually, hours that, is, that was a good one 24 hours i edited that i can't do that anymore i don't have that energy a 15 minute video devil world was kind of interesting at the time i liked devil world uh it's a wonderful life punk was i thought was fun 
with all the different cameos from like Billy and Jay and Matt Pat and Ian has a cameo in that. A couple other people do. I have a cameo in that one. Yeah. I don't remember that remember, one. Remember you have all like you have like the end of C card, the M eighty two. And Oh sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was the first time we shot in the new store. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Um Tecmo Bowl is one of my favorites. I thought that was cute. I actually had that review come out mm-hmm. uh when the Giants played in the Super Bowl against the Patriots the second time. Yeah, it I came remember out that. that it came out that halftime. Amagon's weird. Captain America the Avengers is really weird, but I like it with Rue's little cameo as Captain mm-hmm. America. Um, Loops is one of the most bizarre videos I've ever done, in my opinion, because it's no, it's not a video you should ever really do a review of. And it's so plain, and the game is so weird that it kind of, to me, works. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember it being very... I remember it being very... It's it's just very there. something. Yeah. It's it's, it's not there. Yeah. Uh Commando is goofy. Track and field is probably one of my I favorite like, things. I like the track and field one a lot. Ian did not complain shooting that. Uh the, the story there is that I still was had my burgeoning relationship with my ex at the time. And she had stayed over that Saturday night and we filmed it that Sunday morning before you went to work. And Yep. We get up and she says, Where are you going? I'm mean, I'm going to film something at like it was like nine o'clock in the morning. And um she just sees me like grab like that silver, literally from like the seventies or early eighties, unused like sweatsuit, exercise suit. It was for San Diego it was hot that day. It was like eighty five degrees. Yeah, it was a hot San Diego day. Yeah, and I'm in a, a reflective <laughs> suit designed to make you sweat. And we filmed in the hot, searing sun for like it's like two hours. Yeah, two and a half hours with Frank, and still, still, still cracks me up to this day. I'm not trying to flate myself as Ian would think. I think that's the funniest thing with Frank I've ever done, uh, arguably, with that. Yep. With him as the coach. Oh, and, but the with the the with the megaphone. Yeah, the megaphone stuff yeah. is is great. And and they could probably hear us blocks away because we we cut the volume down, but it was still loud. Oh yeah, it, I mean that was real real loud. We just broke into we break into it was open. We went to a middle school with that. So that that was that was fun to do that. Uh, Baby Boomer was bizarre. Uh, if you want to cut Nintendo Hemi Rhapsody, that was fun to do with, with Brandel Floss. That's the only video I've ever done that went viral. And um, me and Brent argued about certain things in production, but it came out well. Spy Hunter and Akari Wars. Wow, I did a lot more than I thought. Uh, Chubby Cherub was, I think, a fun, goofy one. And, of course, the seven-part Ultimate Video Game Collection video that Ian helped me shoot. Probably the biggest. Re- and that's when things turned, I think, with me and Ian in terms of Ian wanting to shoot things with me. I, I I took it too far with Ian. That was like four hours of going through my collection. Oh, my God. It was the worst. <laughs> it was just the fucking worst. Four hours of just holding a camera and watching Pat just go on. Like, literally just, there can't be more. No, there's more. <laughs> in the garage. And, well, you saw my, my old PC games, Ian. That was fun. Oh. Nope. Flintstones Dinosaur Peak was sort of an inflection point that was right before the fifth anniversary uh, there. And people kind of don't get bummed about that, but that's sort of like a sort of a tonal change in some of this mm. in terms of the, you know, like was getting track co- and field that long ago. Track and field was 2013, excuse me, 2012. No, 2000. Yeah. 2012. Jeez. Random people outside. Um, and uh, then it's probably my favorite. Uh, which one track and field. Yeah. Um, and then we get into the fifth anniversary video, which you and Ian both, uh, you, and Ian, you and Frank both yelled at me at during the filming, but I, I thought it was fun. It was a little long. 
if I had to write that, I did learn how to write more concisely. There's a big difference between my 10th anniversary video and my 5th anniversary video. There's yep. a big difference. Yeah. There. When Pat asked me to do something in the 10th anniversary video, I was like, uh-uh, no. And then he was like, no, literally, I just need you to take, like, two minutes to film something at work. I'm not even going to be there. And I was like, okay, fine, I can do that. Well, that wasn't the exact conversation, but all right. That's basically what it was. Basically. Um, and then, you know, there's been other stuff. There's been, uh, like I said, the cliffhanger one. Um, uh, I'm leaving out the NWC video with James. That was obviously uh, a big one for him uh, and for me. And we did the follow-up. I actually really enjoyed the Bayou Billy Punisher two-part follow-up even better than that. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. That was that was sort of goofy. That was fun. Uh, to me. Uh, Splatterhouse, Naughty Graffiti. The Christmas Turbo Graphics reviews where Denise shows up the first time. That's I love that video because I think there's some funny stuff going on there with, with – well, you know, Pat interacted with the ladies quite a few times over the years. The first full-on lip lock ever seen in a retro video game review, and probably still the only ones ever, were in Pat the Anaceplay videos going back to 2000 and, <laughs> 2009 in the Panic Restaurant, that hot, steamy kiss. Um, the Famicom multi-cart videos, the WF NES games video was good. There's still I still have an error in that where I, I say they're the first, the first uh, wrestling games in NES. No, they're first WF wrestling games on a console. Uh, you know, there's and there's more. You know, I've done you know, 50 videos at least. I mean, not hitting James 150 because that's Jeez, insane. Uh, that, yeah, that's nuts. The, the amount that James has been able to put out regularly. Well, now I get some help though, which is good. Uh, Toki was fun. The haunting with Frank's disembodied head was. <laughs> what is oh yeah, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Um, you have the, the a very Sega Christmas. Or you had your cameo mm-hmm. where you where you where you dissipate in. Yep. As did as did Denise and uh, and Frank. <laughs> uh, I like the Schoon video. I like the Wall Street Kid video a lot. That was already three years ago. Wall Street Kid. All right. I don't know. Stop. That's not three years ago. It was. It was 2015. No. N- no. Flatly no. Flatly no because you don't want it to be true. Flatly no. No, it wasn't. It was not three years ago. This is something some weird going on here. I don't know what. That Ian has a weird memory about. No, that's me not wanting it to be three I years know, ago. I know, but, but why? Is that, because it that's, like, too, that's too long ago. It seems like it was like a year ago only. Yeah, a year, years ago. like literally a year ago. Okay. All right. And there's more. The, three. You have the Christmas Star Wars special, which I thought was pretty pretty interesting. The Star Wars uh, Christmas Spectacular from a year and a half ago. <sighs> you know, things like that. I've done like 50 episodes at least. Interesting. I've been prolific. Anything else I'm leaving out? I'm leaving out some stuff. There's some videos that I forget I've done, like Last Starfighter. I'm like, I don't, I don't remember doing that at all. Because either they weren't memorable or I don't remember doing them. It's weird. It's a weird thing. Doing internet fucking videos with a fucking narrative attached to them. It's weird. But, I, you know, it's fun. Three years ago. Three years, Ian. Track and field was 2012. Six years. Oh, fucking Christ. Okay. We're fucking old. Yeah. <clears throat> Characters ten years. The, the PCU is ten years old. The Pat cinematic. <laughs> well, I never thought of that before. It's right. It's right in front of my face. On a tee. Let me let me know what you think in the comments. What was your favorite Pat highlights of this fifty to sixty fucking episodes? Me me having Rob Twerk and Ultimate Stuntman. I I dunk on Twerk. You run out of different ideas after a while. That's when you go to the Twerk and well. You go to the Twerk and well. We'll have Ian Twerk in 2021. Nah. 2022. Nope. All right, is that it? That's it. I'm, I'm missing other episodes that point out I fucking don't remember 
half this. Schoon was a fun one. I liked Schoon. I like my John Hamm jokes in Schoon for some reason. All right. Um, that's it for this CD podcast. Thanks for coming right down memory lane with us. And uh, <laughs> I love that. We're going to be at uh, Game on Expo August, what is that, 10th to 12th in Phoenix? Yep. Arizona. That's our next, our next getaway. I'll um, be flying on my birthday all day. I love okay. flying. Okay. The 9th. We leave on the 9th. It's always the 9th. I always forget it's the 10th. Everyone's, everyone knows the 9th, 10th, or 12th. It really screws up my head. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, that's what we have going on. And uh, look out for announcements in the soon about the Super Nintendo book and maybe Twitch. Maybe. Or Facebook gaming. That's also a thing I've been hearing about. And uh, I got to break in. I got to eat because I've been eating like, I don't know, 16 hours. Probably eat something at some Woo, point. Woo, yeah. You should do that. The 16 8 diet. So for Ian Ferguson, I am Pat Contry. And we kept this to a respectable two hours, which is kind of hasn't happened in a while. No, we did good. Local podcast boys make good. Okay, we'll see you later. <laughs> Bye.